You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. How's everybody doing? Are you recovering from uh, Christmas events or are you, are you rested up? Uh, I'm, I, I confess, I'm a little tired. Yeah, yeah, we had some great, great Christmas Eve services, beautiful services, and we, as I'm sure many of you, most, hopefully all of you did, had great time with family and friends yesterday, and here we are this morning, so we're so glad that you uh, decided to join us. So Christmas Day has passed. And uh, the new year is yet to come, and we have this window of time. And as we were thinking about that, and thinking about the Sunday after Christmas, uh, as you can tell uh, already, the format of the message is going to be just a little bit different. Very casual, very informal, and um, as we talked, uh, we talked about uh, bringing to you really a, a, a gift, kind of the final word for this year and a gift. So we're going to be sharing each one of us for about seven minutes or so, uh, talking about what God's been doing in us this past year, what he's been speaking to us, uh, and how we've been taking that and trying to apply it to our lives. And our hope, our desire is, our prayer is, is that what you hear from us uh, would become spiritual insights that you might be able to carry into your uh, coming days. I think uh, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 maybe best describes our hope, our prayer. In Ephesians 1 verses 18 and a portion of 19, it says, I or we pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his comparably great power for us who believe. So our prayer is that what God has been speaking to us would be applicable to your life and you can just grab hold of it and you can take something from it and it causes you to have a greater revelation of the Lord. So I want to pray for our time and then uh, Pastor Trish is going to kick us off. Uh, Father, we come to you in Jesus' name once again, and we thank you uh, for your presence in this place, and um, we thank you for a great time of worship, and we thank you for your word, and I thank you for Pastor Nick and Pastor Trish for what you've been doing in their lives, and I thank you that you would allow us this morning to just share and pass this on as a gift. So take our time, let our communication be good, and let it be helpful and beneficial to everyone who hears. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Trish? Amen. Well, good morning, friends. Thanks for letting me come out of the kids' area to hang out with you today. Um, I don't know what your Christmas was like. Some of you might have had a Christmas that just wowed your expectations, just like, whoa, that was amazing, and sometimes it doesn't meet our expectations, <laughs> right? Um, I know my Christmas was a lot of fun. I have a little toddler, so as soon as he saw everything, he tried to open it all. It doesn't matter what the tag says, right? Just rip everything open. Well, um, how many of you like Skittles? Who's the Skittles? No, we have some anti-Skittles people. Um, how many of you like M&M's better? Okay, we like M&M's better. Do you know that M&M's and Skittles look sneakily like each other? Both are good. I like both. But um, have you ever been into a, an M&M thinking it was a Skittles? Have you done that before? Right. Your face is just like, what just happened? Because even though the M&M is good, you're like, I like M&M's. It's not good in this instance because I was expecting a Skittle. 
Um, one day I was making coffee and I was over babysitting. So, you know, you kind of like work your way around the house. And, and I saw this really awesome um, shaker. And it was really full, really big. And I was sitting by the coffee stuff. So sugar, right? Uh-huh. Um, so I go and I make my coffee. And I'm putting some sugar in there and some sugar in there. And then I'm so excited about it. I wrap both hands around the coffee mug and take a big, like, you know, whiff of it because coffee just smells good. How many of you are not coffee drinkers, but you like the smell of coffee? I know that exists out there. Yeah. Okay. I see you. And so I took a big smell of it and then I took a drink of it and I was like, what is that? <laughs> I had poured, what do you think it was? Salt into my coffee. I love salt on French fries. I do not love it in my coffee. So expectations. How many of you have ever set unrealistic expectations for your life? for someone else's life, <laughs> for a special day, for a year. You're, you're, you woke up and like the end of 2020, you're like, okay, God, let's do 2021. It's going to be even better. And sometimes expectations went up and down and up and down, right? Well, my friends, you have probably heard this verse before. If you've ever attended a high school graduation, you might have some ideas of what it might be. What do you think? Jeremiah. Yes, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Jeremiah 29, 11. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and give you a hope. Isn't that beautiful? That sounds so great. And all the young people, you're like, you have a bright future ahead of you, and it's going to be amazing. And my mom, when she first accepted Jesus into her life, she's like, yes, this is going to be amazing and nothing bad's going to happen because for I, the plans to give me a future and a hope. So this is great. But let's take a look at some context of Jeremiah 29.11 today and find out what all Jeremiah was saying. So Jeremiah was a prophet and he wasn't super popular. Because he uh, most often had something not great in people's opinions to say. He's kind of a doom and gloomer kind of guy. <laughs> so if you remember the Israelites, God's chosen people, they were on a journey. Uh, they were in captivity under the Egyptians. And then because of Moses approached Pharaoh and said, let my people go, um, they were able to escape slavery. And they were free, they were free, they were free, until they weren't. Um, and then the Babylonians came, and they were under captivity um, underneath the Babylonians. And it was hard. It was really, really hard. And there was this guy. His name was Hananiah, and he became a crowd favorite very quickly because he said, guys, guess what? In two years, you're going to be set free. It's going to be great. This is going to be awesome. And so, of course, all the Israelites, can you imagine? Like, yes, I have something to look forward to. I'm going to put it on the calendar. This is awesome. We're going to be set free in two years. And Jeremiah, who's actually the prophet from the Lord, not this other guy, um, comes along and says, uh, guys, actually, more like 70 more years. Just add 68 more years on there. Um, so his job was not the greatest, right? Um, he had to tell everybody, hey, guess what? It's actually going to be the 70 years. And the other guy, go figure, he was lying and got removed from the earth. It was great. Um, so Jeremiah came along and he said, hey, you're going to have 70 years in captivity. And so he had to deliver the bad news first, right? Hey, let me set your expectations correctly. Um, 
this is going to be rough. You're, you're going to be in a season where it's going to be real hard. And then he says, but for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, even though it may feel like it in the moment, to give you a future and a hope. And then we kind of leave it right there at, at Jeremiah twenty nine eleven and just let it stand on its own. But look at 12 and 13. They're beautiful. In those days when you pray, I will listen. Some of you have been talking to God a lot lately about your expectations and your plans. Like, God, this isn't what I expected. <laughs> wow. And he says, in those days when you pray, I will listen. And if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. Isn't that great? To know that Jeremiah twenty nine eleven isn't just this lofty, beautiful verse on its own, but it, it's beautiful because God's in the middle of the yuck, in the middle of the hard. So we get the opportunity today, as you're looking at next year, to say, God, I fully embrace the plans that you have for me because I know, I know that you are good, and I know that you're going to be there in the middle of all of it. Thank you, Pastor. And that's what I've kind of been sensing God speak to me this year, and I hope you're able to identify with some of that. Pastor Nick? No, yeah, that was great. I love that, Trish. I love how you even just talk about, like, even when we don't know, we can always trust in God's character, right? And for me, I think one of the things I've been thinking about or I've been really meditating a lot is, like, how do we handle wrestling with that question of, like, I don't know? Like, I don't know what is going to happen. I don't know what to expect. Because I feel like, for me at least, and I don't know about anyone here, uh, I love to make sure I have a plan, right? Like, is there anyone here? I feel like every marriage has one spouse who, when you're going to a restaurant, you're like, I'll figure out what I'm going to order when I get there. And then there's the other spouse who likes to know what's on the menu and know what I'm going to order, like, two days before we go on that date. Does anyone... So... Tuesday night, our entire family's going out to dinner. I went on the restaurant website menu yesterday yeah. to decide what I was going to order. Right. I that, needed to know. That's called a Natalie, because Natalie's that in our family. <laughs> so, but, yeah, but a lot, of, a lot of us have these things that we love the plan. We, ha- we like to know what to expect before something comes, right? And so, for me, one of the things I've been doing in December is kind of prepping for what I'm going to be doing on December 31st. So for those of you who don't know, on Netflix, Cobra Kai Season 4 drops <laughs> December 31st. And so to prep for that, you go back and you watch all the Karate Kids. Is everyone here familiar with Karate Kid? Some of the younger people are more familiar with Cobra Kai, I feel like. But I'm watching the first Karate Kid, and there's this scene that I wanted to show, but when you go back and watch a movie you watch as a kid, you forget how much bad language might be in that it's such movie. It's it's such all the time. So I won't watch that with our students anymore, even though I wanted to. But um, I'm watching the scene, and there's that, that famous scene in Karate Kid where Daniel is so upset, he's so angry about everything that Mr. Miyagi has him doing, right? Daniel is a kid who needs help learning how to do karate. So he finds this older gentleman who knows karate well, and he's like, I need you to teach me what to do. And what does Mr. Miyagi do? He teaches him how to wax his car. He teaches him how to paint the fence well. He teaches him how to do all these household uh, chores that make this kid very upset. 
Because the kid's like, I'm doing all these things, and I don't know why. I, I asked you for help to prep me for this type of tournament, but you have me doing all this stuff that I don't understand. And there's this scene where Daniel gets so upset, he's about to quit, he's about to give up, he's going off on this old, older gentleman, and there's a moment where Mr. Miyagi's telling him, show me wax on, wax off, show me paint the fence, show me all these things that you've been spending hours and hours doing that you didn't know the why to. And there's this, there's this moment in the backyard where Mr. Miyagi just goes out and attacks him. Like with every hit, every kick that he could. And all these little things that Daniel's been doing end up helping him defend himself. And he realizes that there's a reason for the chaos. There's a reason for what Mr. Miyagi's been teaching him this whole time, right? And I feel like when I, when I saw that movie, it just hit me. Like, this has kind of been the, the thing that I've been trying to reflect on all year long because I've been trying to wrestle with this idea of, like, what is the why behind the now, right? What is the reason for everything I'm going through? What is everything that I'm doing in my life mean for tomorrow or the future or even with that idea of eternity in our heads, Because as Christians, I feel like we can fall into this mindset of one or two things. It's either like, well, what I do today is really insignificant in the bigger picture because God has a bigger plan. So I don't have to worry about the here and now because there's something more important happening. Or we can get caught up so invested in the future, so invested in what's going to happen, that we get bogged down when things don't seem to be working out the way we want to in the moment. We, we almost, we, we sit here and we wonder why, because we might feel defeated because it's not panning out the way we think it's going to, kind of like what you were talking about, Trish. And I think this is the idea that um, Paul was talking about when he was addressing Corinthians, uh, the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, and so for those of you who don't know, I, I've been in school and I, basically I spent the last semester just studying this one chapter. And this chapter is basically... Paul's entire argument for this idea of resurrection, this idea that when we die, we will be raised again from the dead. And he gives this analogy about little sunflower seeds. Trish had Skittles. I have sunflower seeds, different snacks for different types of people. But, um, but Paul makes this argument that what happens today makes a difference for tomorrow. We don't live our life thinking about only the future, and only what happens tomorrow is important because what we do today affects what happens tomorrow, right? And he's talking about this idea of eternity and what happens after we die. And he doesn't just say like, okay, whatever happens on earth, don't worry about it because you'll be with the Lord in eternity. Actually, what he says is that like a seed, in order for something new to be happening, in order for something to grow, in order for something to be transformed, Something has to be planted. Something has to die. Something has to kind of be broken down and decomposed in order for that transformation to happen, right? It's the reason why when we talk about when Christ rose from the dead, he still had the scars on his hands. He still had the mark on his side. There was something beautiful and redeemed and, and transformed out of what already happened on earth. And so for me, I feel like this year the Lord's been teaching me that, that there is, a, there is a purpose and there is a reason for everything that happens to us in life, right? 
Sometimes I think as a church, we can, we can get so focused on the idea of eternity that we don't necessarily make sure that we're investing in the here and now. Because everything that we do in life, everything that we do in our interactions with other people, or how we handle ourselves when we go into the office, or, or how do we honor our teacher that we think is just teaching the worst class imaginable, and I don't know why anyone would go into <laughs> teaching that, Everything we do today is an investment of what God's going to be able to use us for in the future. It's almost as if we are, we are looking at a wall in front of us and we're placing small bricks of our lives into what God is building. And when God comes back for eternity, we're going to be able to step back and we're going to see how God uses these aspects of our lives for the grand scheme of things, for the bigger picture. And it's one of those things that makes me look forward every single day to the, to the next day and the day after that, and even from every year to the year after that. Because every time we wake up in the morning, every time we have an encounter with someone, it is transforming what God has given us for what it is that he has planned for us in the future. So if there's one thing that I've been learning this year, it's just that idea of don't, don't take today for granted. You know, we trust and what Trish is talking about, we trust that God has a plan for us, but we might not always know the why for what's happening now. All we can do is trust and know that it's not going to be in vain. So thank you, Pastor Trish, first of all, for just giving us some context about Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. What a great verse, but there's so much more there. One of the things that I, I caught as you were talking is, is God said, when you pray, I will listen. So in the, in the darkest of times, so think about this. I think we can all agree. The past two years have not, in some sense, been the best years. They haven't met our expectations, right? I mean, but, you, but, but what I heard is, even in the midst of times like that, when it seems like there's no plan, there's no purpose, God says, I have a plan I have a plan for you. Just hold tight. I want to reveal to you. But he says, I, when you pray, I will listen. And then, Nick, I hear you talk about um, purpose, plan and purpose. And um, asking, we ask why. We seem kind of focused on the why, but we, we forget that God has a plan and there's a purpose for everything that we do in our lives. And so as I was listening, I'm thinking, so how do, how do we get there? And so I want to give you a word uh, before I actually just move into what I wanted to say, and it's the word listen. I, I just want you to hold on to that word for just a moment. Listen. Listen. Because I believe that's what God is, God is speaking to us about. It's how we get there when we learn to listen to God. So if I think back over my past year, I think that my, my year could be well described in, in, in a book. So you had Skittles, you had sunflower seeds, I have a book. Uh, but a book that I'm currently reading, it's called Be Still by Brian Heasley. Uh, Brian Heasley is one of the primary leaders in a, a movement called the 24-7 movement. And throughout this year, almost well, I would say every day, 
This is the message that God's been speaking to me. Be still. How many of you would say, it's just hard to be still? Raise your hand if that's, if that's the case. You put your hands down. Um, part of being still is what happens in here. And some of you have heard me describe this before. It's really hard for me to be still in here because there are like monkeys spinning around. I recently heard someone say it's like barking dogs that are distracting all the time, keeping me from mentally and emotionally, not just physically, being still. But what I've been hearing all throughout this year, just about every day, is, is, is this. Slow down. Be still. Listen. Because God wants to talk to you. That's the message I've heard. Slow down. Be still. Listen. Because God wants to talk to you. In other words, what I know that God's been talking to me about is about intentionally making space for him in my life, in the busyness of my life. How many would say, you know, I'm pretty busy. All the time. Raise your hand if you just feel like you're overcome by busyness. Yeah, so many of us in the room. And so God's been speaking, in the busyness of your life, make space for me. Slow down. Stop. Listen. I want to speak to you. And what I know is that God is calling me. He has been speaking to me about creating space for him that's free from distractions So that in that space that I've created that's free from distractions, I can stop and I can listen. And when I do this, when I create this space, when I stop and when I listen, God not only hears my prayer, but God listens to me and I can hear him speak to me. He he wants to talk to me. And what happens in that space is he refreshes my soul. You ever feel soul tired? Yeah. A few days ago, I had me told Cammie, so I stopped at her sister's house to drop something off, and she said, are you okay? And I go, I'm just tired. I'm just tired. And there are times where I feel like my soul is tired. But in those times where I create space and I, 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 I will be still, I'll stop and listen. As God speaks to me, he replenishes my soul. He fills me up again. And the reason he does that is he fills me up. He replenishes me because he wants me to give it away. But then if I'm intentional and if I'm doing this consistently, everything that I've given away, when I stop and when I listen, when I will be still, God will fill me up again. He will restore my soul. He will replenish me in that space so that... I can give it away again, and then he does it again. I stop. I listen. He restores my soul. He replenishes me. He he gives me what I need so that I can continue to give it away. Because what I'm giving away is his life in me. Henry Nouwen uh, uh, gave up being a professor at both Harvard and Yale to live within a community of disabled adults. And I want you to hear something that he wrote in line with this. He says, we have to fashion our own desert where we can withdraw every day, shake off our compulsions, and dwell in the gentle presence of our Lord. Without such a desert, we will lose our soul while preaching the gospel to others. 
But with such a spiritual abode, we will become increasingly conformed to him in whose name we minister. So I realized that throughout this past year, God has continuously been speaking to me about fashioning my own personal desert so that I can create a place where I am every day conformed to his image, where I'm becoming like him. And it's interesting, um, have you ever had God use just really simple things to get a message across to you? That's what happened to me. Uh, One of the most profound things that God used, has used this year, to help uh, embed this message in my heart and in my brain and my spirit and my soul is is a poem. Uh, He's used scripture, but there's this poem, and it's called The Fire. And it's about making space. And so I want to read this to you this morning. And what I'd like for you to do is I'd like for you to close your eyes. And I'm going to have you close your eyes for just a few moments, okay? I'll I'll tell you when you can open it up. And what I want to do is I want to read this poem. And um, I'm going to read it slow. And I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you through this. The Fire by Judy Brown. What makes a fire burn is space between the logs. A breathing space. Too much of a good thing. Too many logs packed in too tight can douse the flames almost as surely as a pail of water would. So building fires requires attention to the spaces in between as much as the wood. When we are able to build open spaces in the same way we have learned to pile on the logs, then we can see, come to see how it is fuel and the absence of the fuel together that makes the fire possible. We only need to lay a log lightly from time to time, a fire grows simply because the space is there with openings in which the flame that knows just how it wants to burn can find its way. I want you to keep your eyes closed. The message that the Lord spoke to me through this is that the simple picture of when we build a fire, We don't just stack log on log on log on log on log. But when we build a fire, we put a log and there's space and we put another log and there's space and we put another log and there's space. And the 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 wood, the log and the space function together as fuel. When we in our lives Fill it up with busyness, thing upon thing upon thing upon thing upon thing upon thing. We hinder ourselves from hearing from God because we don't allow for the space. And so we have to plan our lives out in the same way as if we were building a fire. That we have to gently lay the logs on and make sure That we allow space in between. And it's in that space that God replenishes us. He feeds us. He restores our soul. He gives us what we need. It's in the space. That's the space where we slow down. 
stop and listen because he's speaking to us and we're able to hear what he says. So with your eyes still closed, I want to ask the question. Um, how are you doing at creating space in your life? Could it be that God wants to speak the same thing to you now and in the days to come that he would say, slow down, be still, listen, I want to talk to you. And I'm going to answer the question for you. The answer is yes. God wants us to set aside our busyness. He wants us to fashion our own personal desert, a place where we can make space for him, a place where we can listen, a place where we can hear what he wants to say, a place where we can become more like him. Psalm 27 verse 14 says, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, wait for the Lord. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. With your eyes still closed, I want you to think of this, be still and know that I am God. I want us to use it in a different way this, this, this morning. I, I want us to use it as a prayer that would focus us on what God is speaking to us about plans, about purpose, about the fact that he wants to reveal himself, but we have to create space. So I'm going to read, be still and know that I am God in a different way. And I pray that God will speak to you through it. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know that. Be still and know. Be still. Be. 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 I want you to open up your eyes. God doesn't measure our effectiveness or our success in the busyness of our life. He doesn't, he doesn't, we don't get rewards for building and doing and doing and doing and doing and doing and doing without creating space in our life. Instead, he's calling us to measure our lives in a way that we would learn to say no to some things. And we would learn what to say yes to. And we would say No, because that's a log that we're pulling out where we can create space. In the coming days, in the coming years, God has things he wants to speak to you. He has plans that he wants to reveal to you. He has a purpose that he wants to make you know more and more and more. But if we insist on busyness and having no margins in life, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss it. Instead, he's saying, be. Learn how to live in my presence. Be caught up in my presence. Because I can guarantee you, if we can learn to be, 
If we can learn to, to wait, if we can learn to be still, God will pour into us. We'll suddenly be able to hear him in a way we never have before. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.